Women are worried about their height, their weight, their giant feet, the stream of obscenities that could burst through their mouths at any second. If you make a woman feel good about herself, it really doesn't matter what's wrong with you. This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And on episode nine, we watched Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. And it was pretty hard for us to come up with a good opening quote. Yeah, um, <laughs> they're really, really vulgar throughout the entire movie. But the thing is, about this movie, it's not as bad as you might think it is. It's pretty bad, but it's not It's not as awful as you might assume. I came into this thinking with my preconceived notions that the way they were going to handle prostitution was going to be quite bad. And I don't think it was bad, actually, how they handled that aspect of the movie. Not no, a- I don't think so either. Um, if you don't know, the movie... Uh, with the male gigolo part, that just means male prostitute. They just made his name rhyme with some weird, funny name. Um, but before yeah. <laughs> we start that, let me go through the sand layer and uh, some stuff. Oh, but oh. before you do that, if you're listening for the first time, you might be very confused because this is a podcast where we are watching every single Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movie from start to finish, from earliest to latest, in a row, every day. Yet, this movie doesn't even have Adam Sandler in it, except for one voice line. But the thing is, this is the first Happy Madison's production movie to exist. So it's one of the more important films for the the Adam Sandler legacy, in my opinion. That said, yeah. it's still getting a one star on the Sandler. It is produced by Happy Madison, but it seems as if Adam Sandler did not write the movie. And he didn't star in it, so he was probably only, you know, helped produce. It was made by the company Adam Sandler and Alan Covert started Happy Madison. One star. Now, (laughs) I didn't especially like this movie. I think this is, I would say, any worse, and I would dislike the movie. But I I didn't actually dislike it. I think it's a passable movie. But do you want to guess where... Meta, all right, where Rotten Tomatoes gave its score on this movie? Um, I looked already. Ooh. I saw it accidentally when we were looking for quotes, yeah. so I know that it's 22% rotten. Yeah, with a 42% from audience score. Metacritic gave it a 30 with a 64 for user score. Dang. I, I'm i surprised by that, actually. I would feel like way fewer people would like this movie. I would not watch this movie again, for example. Yeah, Um, I would give it a 5. Like out of ten, yeah, it's it's a failure of a movie, I think, but it wasn't utterly re- unredeemable. Yeah, it's it's a little disappointed that this, that this is the first Happy Madison Productions movie. It doesn't feel like an Adam Sandler movie compared to the ones that we have watched previously. Mm. Doesn't feel like that at all, and the fact that it doesn't really have Adam Sandler in it is, I mean, maybe that's what makes it. Like that. It's like watching an entirely different creative vision. Yeah. Yet, um, I think we saw a lot of stuff that we've seen in other movies by these kind of same group of comedians. Um, I just don't think it's as successful a way to talk about the kind of themes they go over. I don't think they do no. super great with it. And honestly, I think Rob Schneider sucks as an actor. So He, w- he ducks? He sucks. Oh, I heard duck. Oh, no, <laughs> maybe my my mind's on bird crime. Oh yeah, we had we had a bird visitor last night who uh, 
made us atone for our bird crimes, but we seem to be in the clear now. Mm-hmm. We, we, I think we are. I think we've appeased them now. Yes. Alex, how many times did you laugh during this movie? See, I'm kind of embarrassed. I laughed 20 times. That's why I have to give it a five. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. How many times did you cry? Uh, zero. <laughs> I was not close in this one. Uh, yeah, this is, it's, it's definitely what you would call blue humor mm-hmm. in this movie. But mm. I do think that they do an okay job using certain types of humor to bring light to the themes they're trying to talk about, um, which I think we can get into right after the summary. All of the humor, I think, just superseded the the themes, kind of like how the football plot superseded what else was going on in the movie The Waterboy. Yeah. For this one, it was just like penis joke after penis joke. But I'll, I'll do the plot summary here just so we can get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm cutting down a lot on this. Deuce Bigelow, the titular character, played by Rob Schneider, is an aquarium cleaner. Uh, we first see him, in fact, he's cleaning at a like a professional big aquarium inside the tank naked. So that starts off the movie well. They don't explain why he was naked. I think it was because he didn't want to get chemicals in there. I don't know. It's never explained really. You're right. He starts cleaning the koi pond of Antoine, played by Oded Fair, who is a super sexy guy with a nice car and a very nice apartment. Well, he finds out that Antoine is a gigolo, uh, a high-class male prostitute who makes a lot of money. His zebrafish, uh, his $1,000 zebrafish, is sick, as Deuce finds out. But since Antoine needs to leave the country for business, he tells Deuce to stay and babysit the fish. The two rules are that he can't use Antoine's car and he can't answer Antoine's phone. So a terrible grilled cheese slash Girl Scout cookie accident results in Deuce <laughs> smashing the aquarium, uh, getting it all over the fine 18th century Persian rug. Uh, it, it's a $6,000 aquarium plus, you know, all the fish. Uh, but luckily he does save the fish. And Antoine is definitely going to kill him for this because we've already seen that Antoine will threaten his life because he has this whole arsenal of medieval weapons. I think it's uh, worth pointing out too, not only does he save the fish, he treats them a thousand times better than he treats himself. He gets them all in separate places with bubblers. He's like very careful with the fish. And they even have- He loves fish. He has one scene where he's pouring Fiji water into a fishbowl while drinking brown water himself. Yeah, he loves fish Mm -hmm. so much that, I mean, they're basically his entire life. He knows a lot about them. Mm -hmm. So, Deuce has to come up with a way to fix everything. Uh, and this is $6,000 in, in 1999 money. So, <laughs> uh, he becomes a gigolo too, taking one of Antoine's calls. Uh, the night doesn't go well, but he gets $10. And uh, he tries to keep up with this on his own. He goes to a bar and tries to pick up a woman, but she also turns out to be a prostitute and they get into a matrix. I guess it's a crouching tiger. Hidden oh, dragon no, no it, it is a matrix reference. Definitely. Okay. Yep. It is a matrix it, reference. It is, okay. Yeah. Shot for shot. There's a few matrix references. You would. Know. I, I would know. Although to be fair, matrix fights are homages in part to crouching tiger. So you're not wrong. Okay. Thanks. Well, I know the second fight is definitely more of a Matrix reference. 
The prostitute ends up informing TJ, played by Eddie Griffin. Um, TJ is a pimp, and he knows Antoine. He knows that Antoine will kill Deuce. So he tells Deuce that he's going to become his pimp and help him make his money. Uh, Deuce is awful at this. He goes on a series of dates with uh, what you might call undateable women. And one very dateable one named Kate, who's played by Arija Barikas. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I probably should have learned. That, that's a hard name to pronounce. I would have done such a worse job that I'm very happy you did it. I'm. Pro- it's probably Araya Barikas, because I think that she's Polish or Lithuanian, regardless. Deuce never has sex with any of these women, but he does keep them good company. And he's very polite and nice to them, actually, throughout the whole time. But he makes money because he is such good company and he treats them well. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, he's also confronted by Detective Chuck Fowler, played by William Forsythe. Uh, Detective Fowler is an FBI agent who's trying to get info on Antoine and keeps showing Deuce his penis. I, I want to point out, uh, I think 75% of my laughs in this movie came from William Forsythe's portrayal <laughs> of this detective who is constantly terrified that his penis is too thin. It is or has something wrong with it. He just keeps he, you don't he doesn't show it, but he keeps tugging violently his penis out of his pants, asking Deuce to look at it and is this fine? What's this red dot? Oh, I was I was losing <laughs> it. That his portray that he's he's good in this movie. He's a 10 out of 10. Everything else is pretty low. It is really funny. Deuce does end up having sex with Kate uh cuz he really likes her and he keeps calling her normal too like and saying that she's she's great and perfect Mm -hmm. uh and despite her only having one leg which he finds out during foreplay he falls in love with her but her friends end up telling her that he was paid all along since they are the ones who set him up with her in the first place what actually happens though is they did only pay for the first date and then he kept dating her yeah but they are like really anti him dating her really anti her, but we'll talk about that later. Mm. Uh, Deuce goes back to tank cleaning and toilet plunging like he was at the beginning of the movie, but ends up being 1500 bucks short for the fish tank. So he needs to take one more call, one more gigolo call, and he meets up with Elaine, and he says that he can't actually end up going through with the sex on account of his love for Kate, even though Elaine is very, very beautiful and attractive. Uh, he does an erotic dance for her instead, (laughs) (laughs) and she pays him, and when he's picking up her stuff, he realizes that she is actually Detective Fowler's wife. On their way out of the hotel, Kate confronts them at the bottom of the elevator, and she runs away crying, saying, like, she finally, like, sees with her own two eyes that he is a gigolo. Mm -hmm. But Deuce does quit his gigolo man-whoring, as he calls it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ends up meeting meeting up with Detective Forsyth, who says that he was really only after Antoine because Elaine was having an affair with him. So Deuce reconciles Elaine and, and Detective Fowler by <laughs> teaching him, I guess, how to also do a sexy dance. <laughs> they dance together. It we don't actually see the scene. It's just them in their in their undies. It's it's kind of funny. But also he does tell him that his issues have nothing to do with his physical body. It has everything to do with this crazed persona he's putting on of jealousy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, jealousy and anxiety about his own body. Yes. Detective Fowler says he can get Deuce off the hook, but because his boss basically 
needs someone to be turned in for this, he has to give up TJ. But Deuce doesn't want to do that. So he does end up getting arrested and goes to court for being a prostitute. But all of the women that he dated testify that he never actually had sex with them. And that Deuce only had sex with one woman, Kate. And that wasn't for money. So he's let go. Deuce goes to Kate's work and (laughs) explains and apologizes. And then everyone gets together at Antoine's place to help clean up. Uh, They do it right in the nick of time, despite a couple hiccups. But Antoine taps the glass of the aquarium like he did in the beginning of the movie, and the whole aquarium shatters again since it was a rush job. Mm -hmm. And Antoine gets in a fight with Deuce and tries to kill him with all that medieval weaponry. So Deuce has to use Kate's fake leg and Fluisa's self-sacrificing moment. She jumps in front of the crossbow bolt, uh, but she doesn't end up getting hurt, um, which for reasons that I will explain later. Mm-hmm. Deuce wins, and Detective Forsyth interrupts the fight and has Antoine arrested. So in the end, everyone is happy. They have like a little after, or I guess- Yeah, during credits uh, check-ins, which I love in movies. That's one part. Yeah, they're so fun. That's a good time. Uh, yeah, and everyone ends up happy in the end. Like every single character mm-hmm. ends up happy. Including Antoine. Yeah, including Antoine. Yeah. Well, actually, one character does end up dead. Oh, wait, who dies? Um, The woman who has narcolepsy. Oh, yeah. Because they say that she went to the Eiffel Tower <laughs> and she will be missed. Yes. that's. Uh, and that's the movie. It was actually, there's not a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Very simple plot. Um, most of the movie is penis jokes. Yeah. And other sex-related jo- related jokes. I think uh, what... For for the first things we're going to talk about, um, we're going to have to pretty uh, brazenly talk about the language they use. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. a lot of extremely misogynistic terms in the next part. If that's not that upsets yeah. you, maybe don't listen to the rest of this. Yeah, by the way, these are not things that we agree with. We are only using the language from the movie just so we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So TJ and Deuce in this movie basically talk in an extremely misogynistic manner, but they put just the word him or he before everything. So they call what they do man-whoring. They refer to their manginas. They say he bitch, like bitch man-slap. Like to make it so it's really stilted language. And a lot of the misogyny in this movie is not handled well at all. Um, no, it's it is just misogyny. It's not really even that funny unless you're kind of shitty, I think. Yeah, it's it's not even though like when you compare it to the misogyny that exists in Big Daddy toward the women who work at Hooters, mm. it's a completely different version of that because the misogyny in this one, I think with like saying like when they say mangina, they are not referring to trans women, by the way, they're like literally referring to a man's junk like that's all they're they're referring to yeah the real misogyny i think that comes into this movie is setting up women like fulisa yes being this this woman who is large um she's she's a fat woman um and who plays fulisa fulisa is played by big boy yeah so played by a man Mm. see the thing here is the drag is not done in an offensive way the drag itself is not done in an offensive way mm. but the way that she is portrayed is done in an incredibly offensive way because they're basically equating 
this obese woman to being a man. And she's played as very gross. She's always, like, she has, the way that she saves Deuce in the end is when Antoine shoots the crossbow bolt at him, she jumps in the way. The crossbow bolt, that's really hard to say. The crossbow bolt hits her in the chest, but she has, like, a whole game hen in her shirt. Mm-hmm. And, like, stuff like that. She's just played awfully in this case. That is my, I think, what is the worst defender. I think yeah. the rest of them aren't necessarily portrayed poorly. Like, Amy Poehler plays a woman who has Tourette's. Still not great to, make, to like, play Tourette's for a laugh. Same thing with narcolepsy. Not great to play with narcolepsy for laughs. But they're not... They're not portrayed in in bad ways. I, I did like write down that I found the Amy Poehler scene where uh, Deuce brings her to a baseball game where she wouldn't be a uh, kind of out of sorts for yelling. A a like mm-hmm. nice moment. Um, mm-hmm. And also like it was more jokey, but having bringing the the woman with narcolepsy to a place where she can dance and then giving her a football helmet so she can dance was like nice because it's something she wanted to do basically i i mean those those were fine i think uh i think the fat phobic nature of what they did with uh Luisa's character was pretty bad um, yes and i mean i think a lot of it's 1999 i'm not gonna excuse what mm-hmm. they did but like mm-hmm. what are you what are you gonna do it was just bad yeah and that's unfortunate because i think that this movie could have had a pretty good message of like accepting women for who they who they are and and letting women have flaws and and faults and and respecting them despite like differences that that society portrays as bad mm-hmm. in the end though they all do become like i said happy but they still at the end portray felisa <laughs> like they say that she had liposuction and became a Victoria's Secret model. Like, that's mm. not cool. That's really not cool. Yeah, it, it is very much um, them them having a certain way they want to see women, even if they think they don't. Um, and yeah. it's very obvious from our point of view that they thought they were doing pretty well with this, um, but that felt pretty yeah. flat. Um, but... Your point about the misogynistic language turned on men is an interesting one because it does highlight that ridiculous nature of how we treat women sex workers. Yeah, um, or how we just treat women and female sexuality in general. Um, yeah. Because um, if you don't know, this is how men will talk when they're alone and want to act cool. Um, as someone who was a bartender and ran a bar for a long period of time, this is how people talk a lot of the time. Um, they use a lot of violent language talking about sex. They demean women and use terms of objectivity for them. Like, that's that's super common. I saw it a ton. Um, it's mm. normally pretty uncomfortable. And uh, it is, I think, a decent attempt at trying to highlight the fact that, like, this weird genderized language that we have specifically to demean people is weird and demeaning and there's a reason they they do it um i don't think i think they need an extra push to really get the meaning of that past but like they they were closer than any other 1999 movie i mean especially a, a movie starring rob schneider yeah <laughs> about 
a gigolo. Yeah, you got to remember the clumps came out in the year 2000, so they they weren't, you know, they didn't have a bunch of other people talking about how this stuff affected people. Like this mm-hmm. is the the area of terrible terrible comedies about terrible shit, so. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about this this section you have written down on our notes about masculinity versus femininity and how it's perceived by society. Yeah. Okay. So that one character I liked, Detective Chuck Fowler, is seen as a frantic person constantly worried about his own masculinity. Um, This is portrayed by the fact that he's always worried about his own dick. Um, He doesn't Mm -hmm. really seem to have other... I I mean, he does have other worries, but mostly it's, is my dick too thin? It's like a piece of spaghetti, etc., etc., well, all of his worries are centered around this because the only reason he's on this case with Antoine is because Elaine is having an affair with him mm-hmm. because he thinks it's because of his his small penis. Uh, thin penis. Thank you very yeah, much. Sorry, his thin penis. Yeah, and there's a reason I think they made him a cop um, because that's a symbol of masculinity in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is aggressively going after Rob Schneider, who is not masculine at all in the movie. Yeah. But no, but continue your point. We'll yeah. talk about Rob in a second. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things at the the end of the movie is showing this guy that, you know, the, the physical stuff, the masculinity stuff you're worried about, the, your wife isn't worried about at all. You're really pushing this narrative that you think is true. And this issue is due to your emotional uh, inability to accept the fact that you're kind of a paranoid fellow who's having, you know, like freakouts about his relationship. And obviously if Rob Schneider is able to please her through a sexy dance and just being confident, <laughs> he could too, if it weren't for the fact that he was spending all his time trying to arrest anyone and being jealous. And in this movie, the women, everyone except for Kate, really. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. I guess I should say specifically the first woman that he he meets up with who calls Antoine's phone that he picks up the woman whose German shepherd chases him out of the room. Her, Fluisa and Elaine are shown as, oh, and the Norwegian woman are shown as very sexually dominant people. They're shown in, they kind of take on a male role almost in the sexual encounter for lack of a better term um, in that they are the pursuers and when it comes to like Elaine, Elaine takes off uh, Deuce's clothes and is kind of ordering him around, just like the woman in the very beginning. Fluisa, Fluisa's not necessarily taking on a male role, but I mean, she is played by a man and she, you know, she's actively pursuing sex. But these blurred lines almost between masculinity and femininity and whether or not that's actually a line, I think is. Actually explored in an interesting way in this movie. Mm-hmm. And okay, so here's the problem. The scene where the Norwegian woman literally picks Rob Schneider up and takes him to bed and starts like taking off his clothes. It is aggressive. It's violent. If this were a man, if the if it were reversed and, and Rob Schneider were with a woman and, and the Norwegian woman were a man, that would be, a, it would be a rape scene. He doesn't actually... You know, they don't have sex, but he's, like, saying no and, like, slow down and hold on. And that's, it's played in a predatorial Mm -hmm. manner. 
And I wish that they hadn't done that. I wish that they had made, like, just stuck with, like, Elaine's sexuality and with that first woman, their their method of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Even Fluisa's method of sexuality. It's fine to be a pursuer. It's not fine to be a predator. Yeah, and while it was played for laughs, it also makes me think if they were trying to point out that this was... This is, like, not a good way to say it. It's still bad either way. But, like, mm-hmm. Deuce is playing someone a sex worker um, in this. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a line somewhere in the movie of like, I'm trying to like, I already paid though. So what are you going to do type stuff? And mm-hmm. I mean, there is a, a darker side to sex work due to its legality. And, you know, I think it might be a little uh, false. It might strike a false like tone to never mention the fact that like there's predators out there and it's because mm-hmm. it's illegal basically, but mm-hmm. It still yeah. wasn't funny. <laughs> no, it it actually made me pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Not not Elaine necessarily, but with the Norwegian woman that scene. Yeah, she never gets a name. I don't think. But you're, you're talking about the tall woman, right? The really tall Norwegian yes. woman. Yeah. You never see uh their face either. So yeah, I, I lost <laughs> the name too. So you're right that I mean it's played for laughs. It's not great, mm-hmm. but it does shine a light on how sex workers are treated. We're always given Deuce's perspective. We're mm-hmm. always given the sex worker's perspective, and it is put into a a sympathetic light. Like Deuce is not doing this because, well, he kind of wants to, you know. Because at, at first, that's how you... he thought it was a good idea, but after he mm-hmm. tries it, he realizes it's really not for him, and then he's forced into it due to financial need. Which yeah. I I liked that aspect of it because. While there are some people who want to do sex work because it calls them in some way, there's a lot of people who are kind of forced into it due to their circumstance. Yeah. And then in the end, who ends up in court? It's him, mm-hmm. the sex worker. And all of all of the clients are testifying. They're free. They didn't get in trouble for soliciting sex for money. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I actually think now is a good time to talk about the sex industry and how it's portrayed in this movie because yeah. this is the part of the movie i liked a lot yeah i thought it was really interesting yeah so let's talk about classism and marxism so a few parts of this movie um you have rob schneider meet his dad at one point um who works as a bathroom attendant who also unclogs the toilets. That's not what a bathroom attendant does, but that's fine. And you have a person who builds fish tanks as another uh, person who does manual labor. Both of these people use sexualized language to describe what they do, while Rob Schneider doesn't use sexualized language to describe what he does in order to mirror the fact that what they're showing sex work as is work. Um, Yes. And I, I... guess i'm not really gonna make a statement on morality um but if you think sex work isn't work you're wrong and also there's nothing inherently wrong with sex work other than we've you know made it illegal and by making it illegal it is now sketchy the same i mean it, it is literally policing women's bodies because sex work is typically seen as you know i mean it's mostly women who do it although of course there are plenty of male sex workers out there and it's way of policing queer people's bodies too because there are a lot of you know gay and and trans sex workers out there too and they're you know they're in a very dangerous precarious position Mm -hmm. but at the same time you have jobs like 
you hear this comparison often people who work on oil rigs yeah or and in people coal who mines. work in coal mines which are mostly men they are doing horrible things to their bodies they are put into very dangerous situations mm. but that's okay because the law says that's that's all right but Having sex for money? No way, Jose. It's just enforcing morality. It's a law completely based around morality. Yeah, and in my mind, um, I think sex work will probably go the way of marijuana and be legalized rather soon. Yeah, I want to clarify too. I think a lot of laws are based on morality. This one specifically based on religious morality. Yes. I just wanted to clarify that. But this movie does pretty well, um, basically showing that sex work is just work. Um, and then the other side of this is the clientele of sex work, which I think we're going to get into next. But um, even when playing for laughs, there's like a scene where Antoine is making loud sex noises while Rob Schneider is plunging a toilet to the beat of that. Um, uh-huh. And then during the climax sounds, a fish pops up that he saves um, in order to show literally they're both doing work. Um, yeah. And then there's... Uh, the guy who builds fish tanks just is like, oh, this is a custom hand job. I don't want to blow my wad on the whole thing and et cetera, et cetera. Only yeah. talks in sex terms. And that's obviously on purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is double entendre, which is also reflected into this double standard. Also, they play Smash Mouth a lot in the movie, which, you know, <laughs> is a sex term. <laughs> is it really supposed I, to be a sex term? I don't think so, but I made that joke while we watched the movie, <laughs> and I thought it was good enough to write down. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, I do also, like, the beginning, Rob Schneider's job, uh, Deuce Bigelow's job at the beginning as an aquarium cleaner, we start out, we see him naked first. Mm-hmm. Maybe that also is hinting at this future work relationship there is also the woman who works at the fish store and she is inherently sexualized too i actually think it was a poor movie choice to make deuce be gross and creepy to her they have her reach into the fish tank well he has her reach into the fish tank to get the snails in the bottom so her boobs hit the water so she gets like wet spots on her nipples yeah um, that, like just to sexualize her that's the only way the reason she exists it uh, but she's also in this she's in this um mm-hmm. uh, customer service type job she's in a retail job i should say mm-hmm. and she is also inherently sexualized too yeah um that was i think a pretty poor choice because it just made him look like a creep and unsympathetic throughout the entire movie it, it doesn't really work with the character that he portrays during the rest of the movie because yeah. he doesn't like he's, he's not, not a he's not a sex perv you know like no and I actually thought they had a chance of making a really good emotional change where he asks her for the sea snails at the end um, because he doesn't grow up he he asks for sea snails at the end also and she reaches in to grab them but not on screen and yeah. I thought he was going to use those to feed the fish at the last moment as like a way to like be nice to fish but no it's just to sexualize her um so yeah that didn't go yeah. well yeah but the clientele of uh the sex industry workers in this movie are portrayed as a woman with only one leg a narcoleptic woman a woman with tourettes i guess a very tall woman with giant feet i don't i don't know if that has anything really to do with it she has she mentions that she has like a pituitary problem yes uh, that's why she came to whatever somewhere in america originally Yeah. Um, And then a overweight woman. Yeah. So uh, we have these women. And then we have Kate's friends who originally pay for Deuce to go out on a date with her. 
Um, and they are portrayed as rich sorority girls, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're in their sorority house. And when they leave, when Deuce leaves that, we see this sorority's insignia. Is that what it's called? Yeah, their their sorority is called Alpha Beta Lambda. And if you know the Greek alphabet, it looks like A, B, and then Lambda is kind of like a, a triangle type symbol, like in half life. I thought it was an upside down Y. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the half life symbol. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, I caught. They decided to make the symbols ABL and show that the sorority is representative of the able. Um, and I found that really refreshing that they just put it on the wall for us, that they showed that this is a bit of a story about ableism. And yeah, like surprisingly deep. Can you believe y- that? Yeah, I, I, I'm st- I was so excited to see that they just decided to use Lambda as an L and be like, yeah. The sorority house is the house of the able. And yeah, you turned and you were like, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> you were so excited. Well, I mean, I, I had looked up previously. I guess I just know what Lambda looks like. But I mean, that's that's exciting for me. The fact that they're not going to hide the fact that they have a slightly deeper meaning at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Kate is the one who has the only one leg. And yeah, I, I, I thought that that was very interesting too. And I liked how they, they pitched these people as people who have you know kate is is disabled she mm. and she is treated poorly by her friends actually because they think they assume that because she has a disability that she can't get a normal date yeah. and during that scene they say things like she's not like other girls she's not normal mm-hmm. and deuce is having none of that yeah he gets pissed about it um yeah. and they actually they make a lot of they spend a lot of time showing that society in general treats these women poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that that is how society treats the disabled. Right? It's true. And like, you know, they, they don't go too much farther into it than that. But it is nice to see this idea that, uh, you know, this is this is these abled people showing their kind of disregard and they're, you know, looking down their noses at whom they perceive to be really lesser yes it also plays into the fact that there is a large ish from what i know part of the sex industry that deals with uh basically disabled members of the community Mm -hmm. it's like a i mean it's a real thing and i think they probably want to talk about the fact that that is a portion of our society that sex workers basically tend to (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, Deuce Bigelow is such a bad movie to like try to bring this up with because it's not like they do they don't do a great job of exploring that, but but it is there. You know, I think yeah. that it's it's interesting that it is there. I mean, when it comes down to it, how many other forms of media can you think of that have broached the idea of ableism looking down on sex workers? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's that's just what it comes down to is as much as I don't think this movie succeeded in its message a lot of the ways, it's one of the only movies I can even think of that tried. There you it go. It <laughs> is also, this movie, you might be thinking, wow, Jess, you haven't mentioned anything about queer people other than a brief mention about queer sex workers, but guess what? This movie has actually a decent pro-trans message. We can look at it from a different light with the queer lens put on instead of um, looking at it through um, the the lens of ableism. If we look at it as Kate being a trans woman, we can see 
some really interesting parallels and I think a really positive message about women being women. Mm. The scene where, well, let me back up a little bit. Throughout the whole movie, we already mentioned that they're playing this male-centered or female-centered language, but they're reversing it on men. So they're they're using misogynistic language, but putting like man in front of things. Yes. Constantly. There's also a scene where um, with the first client that Deuce has, he dresses up like a German, little German man and like a German tourist. Mm-hmm. And he says, excuse me, Herr Fraulein. Herr Fraulein in German is basically nonsensical because it would be like saying Mr. Miss. They just don't call anybody Mr. Miss <laughs> regardless of their of their cis or transness. That's not polite, but I think that that was a little interesting play on on this masculinity femininity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Fluisa who's played by a man, but she is a, a female character. In the bar scene when Deuce goes to pick up a client, there are male actors dressed up like women in the crowd as well. So there are all these this these plays on the uh, on masculinity and femininity and expectations. Then we get Kate. Mm-hmm. The scene where Kate and Deuce have sex for the first time. Kate stops Deuce and she tries to have this conversation with him saying like what if there was something about my body that you weren't expecting? And she's she's trying to have this conversation with him that like there is something about her body that is different that he might not know about. And he keeps interrupting her saying like, no, you're perfect. It doesn't matter. There's nothing about you that I wouldn't like. And it's played like she is going to reveal that she is a trans woman and that she might have a penis. Mm-hmm. But it turns out she only has one leg. And the way that he discovers this, he actually he pulls too hard on her leg and it comes off. Mm-hmm. and he's shocked at first, but he's not unhappy. He's just surprised because he wasn't expecting that. And she automatically like starts crying, and she feels very upset and ashamed of herself, and she goes and hides. But I think that this scene, because they are playing it as they, they're like building the audience expectations that it's going to be revealed that she is a trans woman, but Deuce accepts her wholeheartedly anyway. Mm-hmm. He he loves her because he loves her and 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 loved her before. Um, and I think that if you put that lens on things, it is a very positive pro-trans message. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they were intending, but I actually really liked that. I thought it was really nice to say like, hey, you're a, you're a woman and I love you because of who you are. And, you know, I your your body is is your body in a woman's body and i just think that that's a a really nice message and coming yeah. from big daddy being a very pro gay message mm-hmm. um and then going to this movie it it makes it really hard for me to say that that is a coincidence but again like i mentioned last time like maybe i'm just putting this lens on all the time and, I, and and have this view because I am a queer person myself. I'm, I'm cis, but I, you know, I have lots of, I, I'm very involved in the LGBT community. It's just, I see it and I, if I see it, I see it, I guess, you know? Yeah. As a, I'm a cis, straight, white dude. I had mentioned in my notes that she's taller than him. 
there is um, some physical intimacy strangeness. And then I had tried to guess beforehand my notes that it seemed as if she was trans um, before mm-hmm. that scene. Um, and then turns out it wasn't. So I think if I was picking up on it, like it, it seems like they were putting some legwork in to make it seem that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I again, I don't want to say that Deuce Bigelow is a feminist movie. Mm. <laughs> and it doesn't handle a lot of topics in a very good way. But I think it does handle the the topic of the acceptance of Kate's body very well. Mm-hmm. And that there is nothing for her to be ashamed of. And that, you know, Deuce is actually a, he's a really nice guy to women in general. Yeah, except for the one. (laughs) Yeah, except for the one. Oh, my God. God, who wrote that joke? It just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit at all. They could have cut all those scenes from the movie, and it would have been so much better. Those scenes are at, like, a fish store, which he doesn't work at, which was confusing. I know. Like, was there another? Maybe there's some scenes that play into that, and they were cut. (laughs) Maybe. It just, it could have been a, you could do some rewrites to this movie and make a, a terrific a terrific movie with a really funny message and you wouldn't even have to change too many of the jokes. Yeah. You'd have to you'd have to change a couple of them, but I yep. think you could <laughs> you make a really good movie out of it. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to quick fire a few things um about the movie that we kind of didn't cover. Um Deuce's mom was a prostitute. Mhm. That's that's just part of it. Um he comes from it apparently. Maybe that's supposed to be you come from blue collar work. That's why we're mm-hmm. all blue collar workers. I'm not really sure. Um, the FBI agent at the end shows his badge down where his dick would be um, on purpose, just to show that authority as a way to show your dick to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, and then there's one scene. Oh wait, also before that, Alan Covert's in this movie. He plays a dick bag uh, boss <laughs> who makes <laughs> Deuce's dad clean up shit. And just says it's overflowing. I'm up into my ankles and fucking shit in here. You need to go out here. I don't feel like he's a bad boss. I don't no. think he's really that mean. He just needs him to <laughs> he, need, go. he needs someone to start cleaning up the shit. Um, yeah. It, it is interesting to see uh, Rob Schneider being embarrassed about his blue collar father. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely just a bit aspect of the classism stuff. And I think it's, it's played pretty realistically, really. Like, yeah, you know, he says to Kate when he explains what his job is, he says, I clean tanks, mm-hmm. and, but he doesn't want her to know that he cleans tanks. So he says, I clean tankers, I clean tankers, but that's also a blue collar job. I just think yeah. that's really funny. And then she says afterwards, when she finds out what his dad does, she just says, oh, no, it's okay. My dad's an aeronautical engineer. And then she pauses yeah. and thinks like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. But then there's just one scene. I think there's something to it, and I just can't get my head around it. Mm-hmm. When Kate and uh, Deuce make back up, uh, she works at a hair transplant office as like yeah. a nurse, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so he's been injected with... Uh, like a numbing agent. Yeah, a numbing agent, so he can't move his face. And he is sitting emotionally, like, neutered, you know, <laughs> just chemically neutered of emotion trying to profess his love for her while she's staying staying there teary-eyed over it and it's it's such a weird scene like i kind of get why they did it it was you know funny watching him kind of drool while trying to talk without moving his face 
Uh-huh. But do you think there's any meaning to the the fact that they took away his emotion for the emotional ending of this movie? I don't know. I don't know. I, I that's a really interesting thought. I was looking at at it from um, the angle of the drool and the tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know the fact that he's just so like he's numb there, but ex- expressing some very deep emotions. I don't know how that fits in. I would have to think on that a little bit more. Yeah. You should have brought that up earlier. I would have had time to think. I I just kind of noticed it in my notes. Um, and then my final thing is uh, Eddie Griffin through this entire movie is fucking eating in a hot tub and is the nastiest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> That's where the rest of my laughs came in is watching this man eat a BLT in a hot tub is so fucking gross. Holy you know, shit. I really thought you were going to mention the scene at the very beginning of the movie when Deuce gets on the bus and we see a couple things happen past the bus windows. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We just uh, see someone being arrested by the police um, in his neighborhood. Violently. Violently, yeah. Um, so there's police brutality at the beginning of this movie and they don't really mention it. It's kind of as a side tra- side transition. It's not a joke it's not supposed to be funny it's just showing like the condition of the neighborhood and specifically the condition that he lives in he lives in a bad area that's Mm -hmm. you know kind of brutalized by the police and they're playing like latin hip-hop over this too so it shows that he i mean they live in la so it shows that he kind of like lives in this in this neighborhood where it's a predominantly hispanic or latinx um neighborhood um, and I think it might uh, be worth pointing out that Rob Schneider is uh, part Filipino and in this movie is playing a half Filipino man. So mm-hmm. he is also, you know, I guess not supposed to be completely a white guy. Yeah. Yeah. I just there there is a lot with the menial labor. I, I, There's I, also. <laughs> I do want to point out that that original song, if the soundtrack is correct, was a song by Smash Mouth that you're thinking of. Oh my god! <laughs> you just called hip hop. Ooh, I hope well, it. it. I has hope it was a, Smash It has like a Latin beat over it. You know what I'm talking about? It's I not do. my fault. <laughs> oh my god! You have Ugh. to remember, in 1999, there was only Smash Mouth. Yeah, you kids have it so good these days with all your other bands. I think, but it was, in the I 90s, think... it was only Smash Mouth. So, uh, for people who are too young, from the year 1995 to ni- the end of 1999, only Smash Mouth existed. And then we had this war called uh, the 2K War, um, where all the computers rebelled against Smash Mouth and deleted them from our history. So, you're lucky. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, I was going to talk about the motif of water in this yeah. movie. Water is everywhere in this movie. Of course, he cleans aquariums, he cleans tanks. There there are scenes where he, like every scene with Kate and him in it, there's water. Uh, they like go to the ocean every time they're together or uh, he has a fish tank or he's drinking some water. There's always water in scenes with him and Kate. He's always sweaty. Um, in the scene where he confesses his love to her, he's drooling in of course there's the aquarium just having all of that water around is certainly a symbol of some sort it's very bare minimum a motif but water gonna have all of these different symbols of course the cleansing i don't think that that's the meaning in this movie 
Um, but the idea of wetness, though, relating to female pleasure is certainly involved, I believe. Um, yeah, especially because he uh, he calls the girl from the fish store um, and talks about how he's right on the beach and that you can see the water from uh, his backyard mm-hmm. or from the back door. That's Yeah. And I mean, his dad, his dad, when we first meet him, helps him clean his hands. I mean, there's mm-hmm. water in like almost every scene in this movie yeah. in one way or another. Um, and it's I, I just think that that's very interesting. What's next on our agenda? A three-star Sandler movie. It's starring Adam Sandler. It's written by Adam Sandler. It's made by Happy Madison's Productions. It is Little Nicky. And I am so excited about watching Little Nicky. I can't remember if I like it. So, <laughs> um, And we'll be having a guest star on the next episode. Yeah. We'll introduce you to that guest star. Our mystery guest star. Our mystery guest star. On the next pod. But you know what? I'll probably tweet about it. So if you happen to listen to this episode before you, I guess, listen to the next one, you can Weird read- transition, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you want to read those tweets, you can do so <laughs> at Jaska. That's my Twitter. I am at Kitty Crusade. And our whole podcast is at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter, which was originally what I intended to say, but I got so sidetracked in how I was trying to segue that- Gosh, it just didn't work out. Uh, you can also see our games at wannabegames.com. We make lots of games, tabletop games. And a lot and of anti-capitalist games. Anti-capitalist games, programma games, which, you know, that's two-thirds of what Adam Sandler movies are about, I guess. Yeah. And uh, you can also support us on Patreon if you want to support our games or this podcast at wannabegames.com. I said it again. Yep. Patreon.com slash wannabegames. The last thing I want you to know before you go is take my wife, please. But not to the shit. I had a joke and I fucked it up. God damn it. (laughs) (sighs) I'll I'll wait till next time. (laughs) Shit.